Blog Talk Radio. Some people like to have 
You do? All right, well. I do. You're... I like the cranberry sauce. So- I like cranberry sauce. I love cranberry sauce. It's one of my favorite things to eat. Well, thanks well I would have to Nobody say it's probably my, uh, my, my grandmother's uh, uh, cornflake hot dish, I would say, would be. Cornflake um, hot dish? What exactly is that? Well, what it is is it's corn. Uh, it's like a corn casserole with uh, cornflakes on top. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a little casserole, Crunchy. and it's really really good. Yeah, it's got some crunchiness on it. All right, I'm with it. Well, uh, I don't eat the cranberry sauce stuff. Nobody that I know does. If Granny likes it, to each their own. But Granny, what is your uh, go-to? Do you have a like? You know, certain people like. Well, I'm more like of a. I'm more of a ham person than I am a turkey. I mean, turkey's okay. I can take okay. take or leave it, but I like ham. But now when my daddy was alive, he could make the most awesomest oyster stuffing. It, it was amazing. Oyster I mean, stuffing. he never had a yeah, wow. he never had a recipe for it, but it I mean, it had like I mean, you know, like the breadcrumbs and the sage and the onions and the celery and the celery salt and oysters and I mean, it was it was phenomenal and I still I to this day I still cannot make it as good as my daddy did. I mean, so I don't even try. But oh, it it was it was amazing. Oh, I I missed I, I miss that. Never heard of I oyster that. stuffing. That's cool. It's it's wonderful. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. You have to give it a shot one of these times. Um, and so for me, you know, obviously I'm a big stuffing guy. That's why I was so interested with the oyster stuffing uh, that you talked about. I like the in the bird and out of the bird. I basically am the one who's dipping my fingers in the stuffing, you know, long before we even sit down to eat. You know, all day I'm picking at it. So uh, I, I'm definitely a big stuffing guy uh, myself. But it's all good. It, it, it's the glutton's holiday. So, you know, it, it's, it's always fun. And, um, you know, it's the only holiday where well, that day we could be thankful for something and then the next day be vengeful that somebody else bought something before us. So it, it, it's interesting how they how they little, did that little flip-flop there. Um, so, I got we've got some shows, or some, some guests, rather, lined up on this show. Uh, another three guests to show uh, as much as, Once of time to talk wrestling, uh, and they have been been increasingly more popular. Uh, people do like to listen to stories and listen to interviews and things like that. So uh, you know, we're, and our our page going. numbers, our page numbers are going through the roof. As a matter of fact, crazy, crazy amount, like like ridiculous amount. Um, now for you guys. Uh, with the interviews, uh, you know, I'm more in tune to the interviews today than normal because I'm not doing double duty. But uh, go ahead and tell them who we got coming on. We do have a very, very special guest. Uh, well, I mean, they're all special. We love all of our guests. But we ha- we have somebody from uh, what some may consider the royal family of professional wrestling coming on with us tonight. Uh, so go ahead, Icon. Tell us who uh, who's coming on. All right. Well, uh, tonight... Uh they, they've all confirmed, so everything should be on the up and up. But uh, we have uh, Greg Sutton, uh, his uh, his uh, great buddy uh, from the past, um, Andy Kaufman. He's going to talk to us about Andy Kaufman. Uh, we have Ronnie Nicole, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Big Red, is going to be joining us. 
And we have Rod okay. Hart, the older brother of Brett the Hitman Hart, uh, who's going to be joining us as well. So it's cool. going to be All of you a know. blast. Everybody know, everyone knows Brett the Hitman Hart. He's perhaps one of the most infamous names in professional wrestling. Any of the Hart family members on with us is always a fun time. Again, the commercial you hear in the beginning uh, of the show every week uh, is sharpshooterfunding.com. They're one of our sponsors. We're brought to you in part by sharpshooterfunding.com. So go on and check them out. It's a lot to type in, but I guarantee it's worth it. Sharpshooterfunding.com for all your funding needs. Go on and and give them a little look-see and uh, see what they can do for you. Um, So... We talked a little bit last week about how Raw dominated SmackDown in the Survivor Series. Probably the most lopsided Survivor Series we've ever seen. Now we have our focus on TLC. And Granny's buddy, Baron Corbin, has his hands full <laughs> at TLC. He ain't my uh, buddy. <laughs> and, oh, no, we know that. We all know how you feel about Baron Corbin, but... Uh, well, it's, I tell you, it's horrible what he's doing. What he's done, it's horrible what he's done tonight so far. So, well, again, I haven't seen it. Um, but you well, I'm not going to give you no spoiler alert. But no, I'm I'm right, just I'm going to not say anything. So okay. Well, I know that he's holding steadfast. I, I heard something about he had an option to get out of that match or something, and he's not going to do it. But, uh, again, I'll, I'll watch Raw when I get home and see, uh, see what, they have say, what they have to say, what they have to do. Um, I'm happy that Alexa Bliss is back um, under Rousey. I, I'm just – there are certain things I'm thankful for. But TLC, guys, you're going to have a uh, – you're going to have a pay-per-view kind of like Extreme Rules, okay, that is – Named and based after things that you're not really allowed to use anymore in professional wrestling. Like, why have a TLC pay-per-view if you can't hit them really with a chair that often? Okay, a ladder match, sure. The ladder matches are good, but they're not nearly as good as they used to be because of all the violence that came with them. And then when's the last time we seen somebody get put to a table? So, right. <laughs> this pay-per-view, unless they bring... Some, some some violence that's not, you know, that we haven't seen in some time, I think there's going to be another bust pay-per-view, pay-per-view, personally. I really do. Right. So you never know, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll find out what happens in this. If not through a table, someone will probably go through an announce table if they consider that a table, you know. I think, I mean, table, a uh, table's a table. I think anything would count. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. I mean, when they first came out with the TLC pay-per-view, who, by the way, it was inspired by none other than Edge, um, I think that it was a cool concept. Because, you know, Edge was doing the concerto, and that was a, a big, you know, move that gave JR a heart attack every time he did it. And... um you know, Edge was going through his hardcore phase at the time, you know, his rivalry with McFoley and all that. And, and they decided to make a table of and chairs pay-per-view, um, you know, after after Edge. And it was great. It was always one of the most extreme pay-per-views, always one of the most 
eye-popping and jaw-dropping views of the year. And so was Extreme Rules when they came up with that. Uh, but now, it just, to me, I don't even think I'm going to watch it. Unless they have a knockdown, drag-out, can't-miss card, which I don't think they're going to have, uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm even going to watch it. I might just read the highlights after the show. I don't know about you guys. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, I get uh, I get updates on my phone with what's going on if I don't watch it, so... I, yeah, me too, I, yeah. I, I don't know. It it's it could be, uh, you know... Could be interesting. It, it could I, be interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I just know that, you know, you're in a PG era where WWE has been all but, you know, a... a edgier version of a Disney movie and you're going to name a pay-per-view or still have a pay-per-view named after three things you don't even or can't even use anymore. So I, I just, I don't know how they're going to do it. I know that they're going to have ladder matches, sure, but ladder matches to me are a lot more, uh, let's say bland, mellow, vanilla, whatever you want to call it. Ever since that WrestleMania when Jeff Hardy was hanging from the belt and Edge speared him off the top rope down 25 feet onto the onto the uh, ladder, uh, that that was, to me, the number one ladder match moment of all time. You're never going to see anything like that again. So, to me, mm-hmm. having a ladder match, it, it, you know, it's going to be the same thing every time. Two guys are going to be up on the ladder, and they're going to be punching each other, and then one's going to throw the other one off and grab the belt. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very bland, vanilla finish. And I'm not super, super excited about it, to be honest with you. How about you, Granny? Are you going to watch it? I'm with you. I I haven't decided if I'm going to watch it either, to tell you the truth. I just, I'm kind of like you guys. I just, you know, I don't know what what it's going to insist of or pertain to. I don't know what's going to happen. I just... And I'm like you, I get highlights up on my phones all the time, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I don't even know if I'm even going to bother with it. I just haven't decided yet. Granny, what I got to start doing, Granny, is I got to start getting involved in some of the underground wrestling. We we talk to a lot of underground wrestlers, um, but I, I don't, and, and I'll be honest, I'm not as diligent uh, watching the underground as perhaps I should be. Um, but, you know, that was one of the things, and I've said it several times, one of the reasons why I loved TNA, or Impact Wrestling is what it's called now, uh, as much as I did. Not only was it big names that I recognized, but there was that raw aspect to it. There was that raw element, that, that uh, you know, ability to use weapons and to be physical, and, you know, the storylines were a lot more brutal. And it was just something that I was more drawn to, having grown up in the Attitude Era. Uh, and you know, would you would you say that it's a safe bet to uh, say over the airwaves that independent wrestling right now, uh, some of the companies that you follow and that some of our fans follow, um, can give you that same kind of nostalgic feeling? Or are they all well, pretty much yeah, following? Yeah, I mean, no, I I I totally. And I and I have told I have said this on I don't know if I've said it on our show here, but I know when I help with uh, 
the podcast with our good friend B Train um, on Tuesday afternoons and Wednesday nights, I um, I have said many a times, you know, and I've even said it on Facebook, you know, support your local indie wrestling. I mean, you know, these guys. I mean, I've I've been to well, it was, um, one of my good friends, um, Kurt Gannon. Um, he made a statement, something about WWE wrestling the other day, you know, and, and um, I, you know, I've been to one WWE wrestling in my whole entire life. I mean, that I, oh, wow. and I, and I've only been to one and that was about three years ago. My, my husband, my son and I, we went to the OK Center in Tulsa. And that was before they started um, doing SmackDown Live on you know live, and they did like the the taping of SmackDown, you know, and everything like that, and the the main event and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know. So um, that was like three years ago. And I mean, we had decent seats, and it was fun, and um, and we had a good time. And but you know, I sometimes I think well, Granny, I would just get so much more. Hmm. Oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was saying, was that was that back in the days when you would go to SmackDown on Tuesday and they would air it on Thursday? Yeah, yeah, that was like three yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I sometimes, you know, I just I get so much enjoyment of going to an independent show. I mean, you know, wrestling for a cause. I mean, we had a couple guys here at our anniversary show. They're both very good friends of mine. I've known Barrett Brown for several years. I've known Aaron Anders for several years. They had a match at our anniversary show at um, WFC, and it was just an amazing match between the two of them. I mean, there was so much energy in that. I mean, the fans just, I mean... I I so much enjoy and I and I tell people, you know, support your indie wrestlers because, you know, they're working and 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 Curtis made a very good point in his statement that he had posted. Sometimes I don't think people realize that a lot of these WWE superstars that you see today started back in the indies themselves, you know. I mean, I've had a couple of good friends um, have some wrestling matches on WWE, you know, and you know, and um, I just, you know, I, I I support the indie wrestling. I like the indie wrestling. I I you know, because I don't go to WWE that often. It doesn't make it to. I they just had um, back in I think September. I think WWE came back to the BOK Center in September. They don't have it come up here that often, you know, to Little Rock or to Tulsa, Oklahoma. But um, I, I would rather, I enjoy going to the in, independent shows. I really do. I mean, well, you know, because with uh, the independent shows, I can though. get. I with, with the independent shows, I can get, and it's not just WFC. I mean, the, all the independent shows that I have gone to over the years, they. They make me, well, I'll put it this way. I kind of help because, the especially if somebody in the crowd doesn't know who to cheer for, who to boo for, you know, and everything, they kind of get Granny involved. They kind of have me, you know, I mean, I 
I, I get that interaction that I enjoy having so much, really. Well, you know, what's crazy, too, is sometimes these wrestlers, uh, sometimes they they are, they have made it in the WWE, or they have made it in other things, and they don't want to stop wrestling. They don't want to retire and get a regular job. And uh, I was going to ask you, since you follow the independent segment a lot more than I do, uh, and Icon, this is a company that's been in Minnesota uh, recently. It's a wrestling promotion. Did you guys hear about this? It's a wrestling promotion called Canadian Wrestling Elite, CWE. Uh, they've been making waves in the greater north for some time now. Uh, they had a show in Minnesota just this past year. Well, they're known for mixing local talent with legends, just like a lot of uh, the high-ranking independent wrestling does. On a recent tour, okay, CWE booked Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Okay, Brutus Beefcake. Oh, who yeah. A lot of you, yeah, we got to uh, yeah, who, yeah, who a lot of you guys may know, okay, the younger generation maybe not so much, but the older generation is going to know who he is. Um, he, uh, he got paid for the event and then no-showed. Um, he basically took the money and, and, and ran and didn't, uh, didn't finish his obligations for the tour. And uh, he's being blasted right now on social media by a lot of people. And I was just wondering um, what your guys' uh, what your guys' response is to this because the only thing Brutus has said was he released a tweet about it saying fake news, which seems to be the go-to for everybody who gets you know uh, something pinned on them. They always say, "Oh, it's fake news, it's fake news." But there were people there who didn't see him there when he was supposed to be there, and apparently he already got paid. So. I don't know. He's back into a corner here a little bit, but um, Icon, I, I assume you did hear about this. Well, uh, our friend uh, Jay Garb, Justin Garber, was at the show that Brutus was supposed to be at. Okay. And, uh, he, he and Jordan, was, if you're uh, listening, by all means, man. Before we get our guest on, Jordan, if you are listening, uh, feel free to call in and tell us about it. But anyway, continue. Well, uh, real quick here, our first guest uh, canceled uh, because he's not getting—he wasn't getting paid. Are you serious? I am serious. He thought he thought he was getting—he thought he was going to get paid, so he decided not to come on. I told him he wasn't getting paid. Oh, okay. I thought you were uh, trying to be relevant with the story that we were talking about here. Okay, so um, that's fine. So, that that gives us more time to talk about stuff. So that's fine. All right, well, here, here's the thing. You know, uh, uh, Jordan Garber, he was uh, also booked at this event where Brutus was still supposed to be at. And what happened is, he, of course, Brutus did not show. He no-showed, and he got paid in advance dollars. And apparently, uh, Jordan had sent out a tweet about this to the effect about Brutus not showing up, and I guess Brutus tweet about Jordan saying that he was a queer, so Oh, wow. Alright, we, we gotta get Jordan on. Hold on, let me see if Jordan's on the line here. Now, he's not at the moment, but Jordan, if you are listening, uh, definitely would like to um, expand upon this a little bit. But anyway, continue. And we talked about it last night. Uh, I was uh, a guest host uh, for Jordan's show, 
And uh, I'm, I'm also proud to admit I'm not cheating on you guys by any means because this is my main this is my main thing, and it uh, it always yes. will be. And you know I always throw 199 percent into this show and one percent in his show. Oh, I hope he's not listening to that. But uh, he has made uh-huh. me the executive producer of his show, which is really nice. But yeah, apparently uh, Brutus the Bar Beefcake is. This is not the first time he's done this, and apparently he is a jerk. So, wow, huh? All right, I wouldn't have thought that. I would either. But you see, I with with this. Well, apparently the story that has been released says that um, he uh, he he was paid up front as he demanded. Uh, and then decided to no-show the rest of the event after getting the money. So he did a couple events, unpaid, got paid, and then didn't go to the rest of the events. Um, and the a guy named Jimmy Jacobs filled in for him. And uh, the, here's one of the tweets uh, by Jimmy Jacobs here. He says, uh, And a special thanks to Brutus Beefcake for getting paid up front and then skipping out on the last few days of the tour thereby allowing me to fill in as a last-minute replacement and to have a blast these past three days returning to CWE Canada. So then hotshot Danny Duggan, who puts the whole thing together, says big shout-out to Jimmy Jacobs for not only driving through a snowstorm to bail us out on the last CWE Canada tour dates, but even with his first show being in the middle of nowhere, found the venue on his own without messaging me for directions. You have no idea how rare that is. So... You know, uh, Jimmy Jacobs getting a lot of praise here, and I think earning his stripes in the independent ranks. But uh, do you think that this is something that happens a lot with, you know, older WWE guys, or or not even necessarily older, just guys who were in the promised land, guys who were, you know, on the highest level, and then going to do these independent shows and sort of looking at them as as maybe you know these shows are below them kind of a thing. I mean, do you think that this happens more often than not, or is this just an isolated incident because Beefcake's a jerk? Well, you know, I've heard a lot of uh, old, uh, old-time old wrestlers that don't show up when booked. I, I've heard of this, you know? Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> you CWE, know. Well, CWE, when they, did, when they did the show in Minnesota, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Canadian Elite Wrestling, but... Uh, they did a show. Well, I have for Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. Uh, they did a show recently where they brought on Anderson, the enforcer, on, and uh, he came. You know, one of the four horsemen, and arguably the biggest, one of the most known and popular stables of all time, the four horsemen. And Arn Anderson showed up. So, a show with Brutus Beefcake, uh, I think, would have been big for their notoriety, of course, because I mean, it's a name that. If you were watching wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s, it's a name that you definitely would have heard. Uh, but I, I just think it's a shame that, um, you know, he's going to do this and skip out on them and, and get his money. And, you know, similar to the promoter Granny was telling us about off the air, basically with him changing his number and changing his Facebook addresses and his social media and basically not really getting in touch and having no comment when it came to, um, you know, facing his actions. So uh, have you... Icon and Granny, you're welcome to uh, chime in on this as well. 
Um, I know you were somewhat of a fan. I don't know if you were a mega fan of, of Beefcake, but I know you were somewhat of a fan. Have you lost uh, a bit of respect for him over this? Or do you understand coming from the level that he was at to the level that they're expecting him to be at now uh, why he would have done it? Because, I mean, you can easily play devil's advocate with this if you wanted to. Well, I I mean, you know, you always have, you know, you always see on the flyers, you know, card is subject to change, okay, because, you know, things happen. But yeah. to be paid and then just not show up and not give a reason, okay, that's, to me, that's bad, you know, because people yeah. are paying their hard-earned money to <clears throat> come to an event and... I mean, there was a situation where there was an independent show that um, they were doing a benefit show in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and this was their, like, fifth show. Uh-huh. And we had been to every single show, and um, Rick Flair was supposed to be there. Well, the day okay. before the show started, the day before the show, he basically canceled because he said he was ill. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, at, I mean, at least he had a – I mean – at least he had a reason. Now, whether he, I mean, his reasoning for canceling other than he was sick, okay, but for, I, I didn't make it to that show. Um, <clears throat> but from what I understand from the, my friends that were there, a lot of people, because they were doing um, a benefit show for the Special Olympics of Arkansas, a lot of people got very irate with the Federation because Flair was not there. You know, now, okay, I I mean, even if I would have been able to make it to the show, I couldn't afford the price that they were charging for the meet and greet to meet Flair. You know, you got um, two-person photo op, an autograph 8 by 10 picture, and they were doing a special price of like $115, but then closer to the show, it was going to be like $150. Well, a lot of those people got very irate because Flair did not show up. Flair was not there. Well, okay, at least he had a reason for not being there. I mean, it wasn't like he just didn't, you know, like didn't contact him, didn't, you know, didn't like, oh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to show up. You know, I mean, at least he had, you know, a legitimate reason for not being there. Now, it was still a good mm-hmm. show, but because of the fans reacting as they did, the person that was in charge of promoting this show, who is a very good friend of mine, um, he used to be he used to do traditional championship wrestling in Arkansas for many years, which um, you know, I was a big part of to those events too. And I got to meet a lot of big-time-name people, you know, by going to those independent shows of, of that federation as well. But it it upset him so much. He's like, we're not going to do this anymore, you know. And it really – it takes people – all it takes is one bad person to ruin it, ruin the fun for everybody else. Oh. And that well, really – and, and, and – no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Granny, um, that's a good point you bring up because – Icon, you just mentioned our first guest uh, was supposed to come on. I thought he was going to get paid, and now he's not going to do the show because he's not. Um, it leads me to believe now, at first I thought, all right, you know, you paid the guy, didn't show up, okay, like, 
get over it. The show, the show must go on sort of mentality, right? Like when I first, when I first thought of it, I thought, okay, I've played sports my whole life. We've had a player get injured, or we've had a a kid quit the team, or we've had a whatever, and we just got to go on without him, right? Like, like it happens. It's the show must go on mentality. But then, Granny, as you're talking here, it's making me think. Uh, Icon, Icon, if we did pay our guests to come on, and we did give some money, uh, which most of the time for these interviews, these guys want a decent chunk of change, you know, a couple hundred bucks at least, uh, to come on and talk with us. Imagine if we did pay uh, one of these guys, and they just didn't call in and turn their phone off. We just couldn't get in touch with them. And now they've got our money, and we had no interview with them, and we're out that money. So, in a way, I sort of now... Uh, that Granny brought up that point, I understand sort of where CWE is coming from and the fact that they're upset about it because I could picture Icon just blowing his top if we if we paid one of these guys to come on and he just he just kind of stiffed us. I could picture Icon having another heart attack, really, honestly. So I, I get I, I sort of get what you're saying. I mean, Icon, wouldn't that piss you off? Well, yeah, it would because it'd be coming out of my pocket. Exactly, exactly. Um, now we do have a caller here, four three one. That's that's our buddy Jordan, right? Yep, yep. Bring him on. Okay. So so Jordan, okay, yeah. uh, Jordan Garber here with us, everybody. Jordan, we were talking. I don't know how much of the show you were listening to beforehand. Uh, we did have a guest I'm cancel, so we have working. a little bit of. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh well, that's all right. But we have a little bit of time now to talk about things because we don't have that first guest slot. Uh, here now, but we were we have just 12 talking minutes about yeah. next guest calls in. Yeah, that's that's plenty of time. Uh, 12 minutes in radio is like an eternity. Uh, we were just talking about the CWE that, that you work for, the Canadian Elite Wrestling. Uh, talking about uh, you know yeah. your show, uh, boot, t- talking a boot as you guys say up there. Um, the show that you guys did in Minnesota where Arn Anderson came on, and then the show that just happened yeah. recently where 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 you paid Brutus Beefcake in advance to be there, and he skipped out in the last couple of days of the tour. Now, um, Jimmy Jacobs uh, filled in for him. Luckily, you guys were able to get somebody, but, uh, you know, Brutus is tweeting out uh, two words, and it's be- they've become the most popular two words in our society nowadays. He's tweeting fake news. Well, how could it be fake news? Because you, who work for them, were there at the show he was supposed to be at and wasn't there. So people have eyes on this. They know he wasn't there. It's not like they're pinning this on him and he didn't do it. So, I mean, what, what, what's it, your take being part of that company, seeing what just happened with Brutus Beefcake and, uh, and, and you know, your thoughts on it from the inside? Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, it was a situation, and uh, you guys can still hear me okay, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're good. Perfect, perfect. So, yeah, uh, the situation was that I was, my role was to be a utility player. I was supposed to referee that when I was supposed to get an interview with Brutus, in which I was promised from Brutus himself. Uh, so he gets to the show, and, and throughout the halfway point of the tour, um, he just turned his ugly side, and, like, it even came to the point where the promoter, like, bought him breakfast. He didn't even say a single thank you. Uh, he was absolutely terrible on the newscasts that he doesn't think being broadcasted to national television. So uh, the whole Brutus beefcake incident, uh, the whole thing, he was uh, full of himself. You know what I mean? Like, he... And no one was at his autograph line, and uh, no one cared for him because he was charging ridiculous prices. And uh, if you weren't taking a photo with him or spending money, he would basically take you to the side. 
So as promised, I was supposed to watch the money for uh, Brutus Baker during his autograph signing because obviously Danny Duggan wanted me to stay on top of it, make sure he didn't steal anything, in which I apparently he did still. Um, and then I asked him for an interview, and then he said no. And then I went out to partake in something I can't really discuss because I'm at a workplace, but I went out, That's fine. and then Brutus Beefcake, mm-hmm. Brutus Beefcake says to me, oh, can I come with you? And then I'm like, no, because you didn't you didn't give me my interview. So that's basically the the scenario of what happened. So did he tweet we something about you too? Uh, he didn't tweet something about me, but he did block everybody associated with the company. So that basically was the scenario. And then uh, at the after party, no one wanted to hang out with him. And then the next morning without notice, uh, he told Danny he had a family emergency in which he still is not proven. So it can't be true unless he proves it, and he still hasn't done that. And he left with about uh, two to four thousand uh, dollars. He took the money and he ran wow. away, and he still hasn't paid him back. So when he's saying that they owe me money, he's lying, because I have multiple sources that confirm that he still owes him at, at the very least two grand. He owes them a lot of money, and uh, well, didn't, I don't um, think. I, didn't, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but didn't Brutus? Uh, Say something about you being gay or something? Yeah, uh, basically the next morning. Um, this is what this is what I have to deal with. I'm dealing with a 61-year-old man uh, calling me names on social media. This guy's a celebrity. This guy's a celebrity. And uh, you, you have someone who, wh- who, what are you doing bothering a 23-year-old kid who works at a call center? Your, your, your net worth is $2 million. My net worth is twenty five grand. What are you going to like, – what, what is your point in rubbing the salt in the wound even further after you no-showed the promoter? So I just blocked him. I blocked his messages, and I blocked everything. You know, I, people like him, he thinks that pe- today's wrestlers are ruining the business. But what Brutus Beefcake doesn't realize is that he is ruining the business because no one wants to even hang out with him or talk to him because he has no knowledge to share. He's basically just uh, – a living organism that's a parasite. He, I honestly, he was never a good worker in the ring or outside of the ring. Uh, Brutus Beefcake was always carried by Hulk Hogan, and now without Hulk Hogan, look how his life's treating him, right? Um, well, I think, I think, it, it I think the, the big the- moment for him, though, I mean, you look at guys like, I can understand, now again, it's never a good thing to do. I brought up the point to Icon saying, hey, you know, what if we paid a guest to come on and we paid him a good amount of money, and then he just didn't call in and then just turned his phone off or changed his number. You couldn't get in touch with him. I mean, how would you feel? So I get it in that regard, but it's still, it's not even like this is the rock we're talking about. It's not like it's Hulk Hogan himself. I mean, Ultimate Warrior, bless his soul. You know, guys like big names, Macho Man, again, bless his soul. Bless his soul. But, I mean, you know, uh, guys who who made an impact in the wrestling world. It's not like we had The Undertaker coming on or Glenn Jacobs on his tank. I mean, Brutus Beefcake was known for one thing, and that's throwing Shawn Michaels through, uh, through the window, uh, getting, rather, thrown through the window of the barbershop with Shawn Michaels. That, that's really all he's known for. And, you know, I, I think that he's a guy where, yeah, he had an interesting name, kind of a funny name, and he, you know, he, he, like you said, was carried by Hulk Hogan his whole career. But the fact that he's carrying himself like he's an elite 
you know, Hall of Fame talent wrestler uh, is kind of baffling. He's an elite piece of shit. He's an elite piece of shit. We'll, we'll put that there. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, I mean, big shout-outs to Jimmy Jacobs for, you know, taking time out of his day to drive through that snowstorm to be there Absolutely. for you guys when you needed it. I mean, that was huge. And can uh, I give a shout-out yeah. uh, before just yeah, to, to thank course. Jimmy Jacobs? Because he – the thing is, is that we had multiple legends booked for the CWE, and we had G- guys that were three times bigger than the name of Brutus Beefcake – they were great class acts. They committed to all their dates. They did everything like that. And I, I just really think that this is something I, I'm willing to move on from because it's silly to worry about a, a washed-up loser basically telling, you know what, it's not worth my time. He's not worth my time. And no, he's not even relevant in professional wrestling anymore. So uh, mm. that, that's my yeah. take on it. And uh it's always good to take out the trash, and uh, with Bruce Beefcake, that's certainly what he is. So has Hotshot uh, Danny Duggan? Is he? I mean, is he gonna? Is he gonna go after this money, or is he sort of saying, you know what? I, I, we're gonna take the L. I'm gonna wipe my hands clean, and and we're gonna keep doing our thing. Well, uh, that's not a question you're gonna have to ask Hotshot Danny Duggan. You know, if I was a few thousand on the whole. I want to, uh, probably want to be the one to get my money back, but it's going to be an interesting take on it. Um, I think that uh, eventually Curtis is going to have to cough up the money, and in which he probably will, uh, and he better because he's going to be left without a choice too. Because you, you don't do that in professional wrestling. If he doesn't give that money back, you, you don't see that guy getting booked again. He's probably never going to. Basically, he tarnished everything he had left of him by not showing up for five more days. Like, you did 27 already. Why did you... You know what I mean? It's just the mentality and the stupidity from a guy like that's brain. He was never smart in the business since he broke it. It's just from what I heard. He now, was always a dopehead. Being in the media being in the media business and covering a lot of sports teams, a lot of athletes and different things, sometimes negative press actually ends up helping somebody. And, and when I say that, I mean, this is a national story. I got this on my Bleacher Report feed, okay? So this is a national story. Your name as a promotion now is out there. And people, whether people oh, know about CWE or, or not, you know, whether people know about CWE or not, people are going, whoa, wait a minute, CWE, okay, well, they're either going to say, oh, hey, yeah, screw them, they're a small indie underground company, who cares? Or they're going to say, hey, I feel bad for these guys. They seem to be a reputable company. They're booking these legends. Maybe I'm going to check them out. So maybe by Brutus doing this, it could be end up being a blessing in disguise because now on a national audience is knowing about you guys and hearing about you guys. No, absolutely. I, I see your point in that. And that everything in that line of discussion is definitely a possibility. And you, you, you grow you from your failures and – uh, that's basically the whole situation with Brutus Beefcake, you know. Uh, you always grow from uh, mishaps, and you grow into something stronger. So I can't, I can't wait to see what they can pull on for the next tour, and I uh, hopefully uh, look forward to being on it. I'll do everything I can to do as many dates as possible. Sounds good. Awesome. Sounds so, really you know, good. I got to step aside for one sec, but uh, when the guest pops through, I will put him through. But Jordan... Uh, I do appreciate you sh- shedding some light on this a little bit and uh, sort of being somebody who was there and, and knowing what happened from the inside, uh, you know, shedding a little light on it. So we do appreciate that. 
Absolutely. Do you still want me to do that plug icon before I go back to work? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead real quick. All right. One sec. Let me just open up my phone. All right. Are you guys ready? Go ahead. Okay. Hey, this is Jordan Garber, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live podcast with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Check it out. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Awesome. Not a not a problem. You guys take care. Have a good one. All right. See you, bud. Thanks. All right. So we're just waiting for our guest. Uh, you know, I, I am kind of bummed that our, our first guest canceled. You know, I, I'm not going to dwell on it, but I got uh, we do have a few minutes. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on it, but it's just, you, you know, I've been promoting this for a couple weeks and I thought we were good with what we had, but apparently he thought he was going to get paid because he thought we were getting paid. And of course we do not get paid yet, but eventually this will be a moneymaker. And those that decide not to come on the show, it'll be their loss because I won't book you again. So there you go. That's just the way it is. So our guest should be calling in uh, here shortly, uh, and uh, we'll talk to her. Yeah, I'll put him through. Yeah. I'll put him through when he comes on. Uh, or he is he or she? Her. She. I'll put her through when she comes on. I forgot. I, I wasn't sure if uh, if Hart was second or if he was third. So, um, okay, yeah. When she pops through, I will uh, definitely put her through, and um, you know, and we'll go with that. But. Uh, you know, nice of Jordan to pop in and, and sort of shed some light on that. And, you know, from the whole beefcake situation, that was, um, you know, uh, you know, always a tough situation to swallow. And, um, Icon, uh, mm-hmm. are you going to, like I asked him about superstar Danny Duggan, or hotshot Danny Duggan, I guess he's called, uh, is he going to go after the money or is he just going to wipe his hands clean? Uh, our first guest, who shall not be named, just, for the time being, because I said, you know, negative press is sometimes good press. Um, are you going to pursue, again, getting him on the show and say, hey, listen, you know, exposure sometimes is good, or are you going to say, screw it, and uh, he's not going to come on ever with us? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just done. And I'm not going to be vengeful Wipe your hands. about it. Yeah, I'm not going to be vengeful about it. i just, it just going to forget about it. I mean, that's, Beautiful. I know people are <laughs> like, geez, Maybe the icon is turning you know, turning over in a leaf. Well, technically, I may be, but not really. But I'm turning over half a leaf. Well, it's a uh, it's a learning process, to, learning curve. You're growing every day. Yeah, I need to stop being a vengeful person. That's just you know that's just yeah, the way yes, it is. you do. It's not good for your blood pressure. Uh, icon, we do have the second guest on with us, so I'm gonna patch it through, and you can do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down that aisle. She gives new meaning to the word big gal on campus. Do not mess with me when I'm in the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you big bang, Nicole. Boom. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. I'm super excited to speak with you. Now, tell me, was that not the best in-ring introduction you've ever had? 
it was it was definitely top three. So thank you for so much bravado and gusto. It was wonderful. Thank you. Well, you said top three. I guess I'm number one. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what we like to do. After uh, our guest gets an uh, introduction, we like them to give us a little background about themselves, and then we ask them the tough questions. So if you want to tell us a little background about yourself, then we'll go ahead and uh, interview you. Um, I'm, as you said, Ronnie Big Bang Nicole, uh, originally trained in North Carolina by Nightstick Eddie Brown, C.W. Anderson, ECW's Chili Willie, and uh, former NWA national champion Lou Marconi. Uh, big shout out to all of them. I trained for four years in Japan uh, with World Women Pro Wrestling Deanna, as well as Marvelous. Um, have been wrestling and running the, the indie roads and making my way for a number of years and uh, very blessed and excited to be pursuing the dream of professional wrestling. I never thought that I would get to visit the countries I have or train or, you know, wrestle where I have just by pursuing this dream. And so um, very humbled and excited, but also focused on the goal, and that's obviously to dominate the wrestling world. So I have a long way to go, but I'm definitely going to be kicking indoors along the way as I have already done. So yeah, that's that's big bang. <laughs> now, in your short time in the business, have you had a chance to go after any titles, or have you won any titles? Yes, I am the current PWX Pittsburgh slash Angel Gate Wrestling Women's Champion, the Gouge Wrestling Women's Champion, and the the Resistance Women's Champion. And when did you win those titles? Um, so Gouge is, I think, three years. Resistance will actually be coming up um, on almost a year, and Angel Gate, I think, is almost six months. So Angel Gate, PWX Pittsburgh was my most recent win. And when you when you have these titles, as as the, with the different promotions, I was always curious with all the different titles. Do you ever find yourself uh, bringing the wrong title to the wrong event? Have you ever done that? Has that ever happened? No, that's never happened to me. Um, usually, I have them all together in my uh, my my belt bag and you know so that they're protected um may being the representative for a company is a big responsibility and so you know i try to do my best to make sure i have what i'm supposed to have where i'm supposed to have it and when is your next title defense and who uh might that be against her you don't know yet well, my last actual title defense was October 27th for at Berwyn Championship Wrestling as they presented We're Taking Over, which was a historic uh, all-women's event uh, that featured a 30-women costumed Halloween Battle Royal, which was so much fun. But I faced uh, Smiley Kylie Ray, um, and uh, as I am usually able to do, I pulled out the victory. Um, but definitely really am looking forward to 2019. I've got a couple things lined up tentatively, so I don't want to speak on that yet, but you can always go to com to keep up with my schedule and see what's going to be popping for 2019. Or you could check my Facebook fan page, Ronnie Nicole slash Big Bang Nicole as well. Okay, well, you kind of you kind of stole my thunder there. I was going to have you pitch those at the end, but uh, that's fine. Now, when you're when you're wrestling for the different 
promotions? Uh, do you wrestle once a week, once every other week, once a month, twice a week, three times a week, four times a month, once every other month, once a quarter? How often do you, do you wrestle for the different promotions? It depends on the schedule, and it depends on the year. When I'm uh, traveling internationally, my schedule is a little bit fuller because they try to pack in as much as they can uh, while I am wherever I am. Uh, here stateside, I'm usually wrestling two times on the weekend, two to three times on the weekend. Um, but here coming in 2019, I will be opening up to have a seven-day-a-week schedule, so that will give a lot more opportunities to get back out to the Midwest, where I used to do a lot of wrestling um, and do some of those weekly loops, which is going to be fun, kind of a throwback to the territory days, if you will. And I guess we could say that you're more of a, a fighting champion, more of a wrestler than someone like, say, Brock Lesnar. I mean, I would not even deign to compare myself to Mr. Lesnar. He is definitely a sports entertainer of his own regard, and I'm definitely not on that level. Um, but I was trained that if you are a champion for any promotion or any organization, you make sure that you show up and fight. You know, um, you're given the responsibility because you beat enough people to prove that you deserve it, and so you have to prove why you should be able to keep it. So making sure that you do show up and, and defend it and give credibility to where you work is, is important. Mm -hmm. But remember, the Indies and, and the E are, are two different monsters of the same of the same beast. Well, that leads me to, to my next question. Being, you know, an independent wrestler, and I've, I've asked every independent wrestler we've had this, and no one has answered it the same way, so I'm going to put it to you. We all know that the WWE is the big dance. And when you get to the WWE, they basically control all aspects of your life. They tell you what you can do, what you can't do, where you can go, this and that and the other. But as an independent, you basically control your own destiny and do what you want. So if the WWE were to call you and say, we want to offer you a contract, is that something that you would accept, or would you rather stay independent when you can do what you want? Um, you know, there was a point in my career where I would have hesitated to say yes, but I think that the goal, and that for me personally, watching WWE was what I grew up on. So obviously my heart was there when I started pursuing professional wrestling because that was the first thing I saw. So being offered the opportunity to work there, absolutely. You know, that's not something – you're not trading in anything, in my opinion, um, in terms of that. You know, wrestling is one of the only professions in the world where – you kind of have no playbook. There is no wrestling university. You know, you may go to a training school, but there is no one perfect ideal way that every single person knows wrestling, even though we all know wrestling. And so, you know, being offered the opportunity to work for one of the most recognizable brands in the world that is continuously expanding, in my opinion, in terms of wrestling, that's like going into a corporate setting. Because as you said, they control your schedule. They tell you what, what you can and cannot do and can and cannot wear, similar to working a corporate job. You know, you go in nine to five. You can't go in a thong. You can't look up porn on your work computer. You know, there are rules and regulations for that sort of setting, too. So wrestling's no different. 
it's all a career, it's all a profession. So going to WWE is just knowing that you're going into the mindset of, hey, I have to make that adjustment. I'm no longer in control of my own schedule. I don't have to, you know, worry about if a booking gets canceled, what's going to happen. You know, I'm covered with that sort of corporate security, if you will. You know, but it's to each their own. That may not be for some people, and that's totally okay. Wrestling is wonderful and, and can be shared and experienced in, in thousands of different ways and through thousands of different mediums, you know, independent on up. And with the technology that we have today to experience wrestling, it's okay if that's not the path. You know, there are independent wrestlers who have taken a completely different path and have been successful and have even created something new. You know, I'm thinking back to All In back here uh, in the early fall where, you know, that was completely generated from the grassroots of independent wrestling, and that is opening up a new avenue for wrestling itself. So what's this third channel going to be? Well, who's to say? Because the future is so broad in that way. But, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I absolutely would, because, you know, who who really would not love to, to do the obligatory WrestleMania point or have the opportunity to train at the Performance Center and get the experience and pick the brains of the coaches and the wrestlers there, you know, it's amazing. And it's something I definitely look forward to experiencing one day. Uh, well, Ronnie Nicole is our guest here. We have about 20 minutes here left with you. Uh, I did send you a little script for a little promo uh, liner that we're going to have you do. We're going to uh, go ahead and take care of that now. And then uh, we'll uh, continue the interview. Uh, what I'll do is I'll count you down from five and, uh, if we have to do a couple takes, we will. But since I started sending the script to our guests, we've usually had to only do it in one take. So uh, if you're ready, we can go ahead and do that. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, you guys. This is Ronnie Big Bang Nicole, and you're listening to the Attitude Air Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Awesome. Now, uh, I'm going to ask uh, uh, one more question here, then I'm going to let uh, our other co-host chime in here. Uh, when you wrestle, you're a babyface, a heel, an in-betweeny, or uh, do you let the crowd decide what you are that night? Um, my character has generally stayed consistent throughout my career. So um, what would you so- classify yourself as? Um, I generally have worked as heel. Ooh, which leads me to my next point. Granny, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, well, hello, Ronnie. I don't know if you remember me or not, but uh, my good friend Brian Rails had you on his podcast a few months ago that I help him with. with, So it's good to talk to you again. Uh, What has been your your most... um, I guess one of my questions is, what has been your most memorable or challenging match that you've ever had? Um, I think my most memorable match would have had to have been a, uh, a dojo show for World Women Pro Wrestling, Deanna. Um, there were dojo shows every Sunday or every month um, on a Sunday. 
and uh, I usually would not know who I was wrestling for the dojo show because it was usually someone, you know, within the company. Um, and the office secretary, uh, Osamu Inou, knew how much that I loved uh, and loved uh, Kyoko Inou. And uh, she is the president of World Women Pro Wrestling Vienna. And I had not wrestled her. I had been second for her a number of times, you know, and, and traveled to other shows where she has wrestled or wrestled on the card with her, but I had not wrestled her at that point. And um, he was being very cagey about answering me because I wanted to know, um, you know, so I could put together a little advertisement to post on Facebook. And uh, he finally said, uh, Inoue-san. And I was like, huh? Because I was standing in the kitchen, I was cooking, I wasn't really thinking, we were just talking back and forth, and I really wasn't thinking, I was like, why would I be wrestling you? And then he was, I looked at him at his desk, and he was smiling, and I realized he meant Kyoko Ino, and I screamed really loud, and he started laughing, and so... The match, the day of the match comes, and I'm so nervous. Like, I remember my, it was the first time my hands felt clammy because I was so, like, my hands were sweating. I was so anxious. And um, we had to do everything involved with the show. So I really didn't have time to, you know, speak to her about the match or, you know, get any feeling about how she was feeling about anything. And so it was really getting down to the wire. And usually the dojo show was maybe two to to three matches. Um, But we didn't have a lot of time and I had already, you know, I had to be second. So I was feeling those, those jittery, I don't know how to do this wrestling thing, newbie greenhorn nerves but you know i i'm not but i am because in, especially in japan with people who are so legendary and experienced you know it's a lot of pressure and watching this woman and remembering her matches and borrowing a lot of my moves from her i it was a big deal and i think she sensed that and so you know before the matches you always uh greet your opponent and wish them luck you know and and say thank you or and you know kind of have this moment of mutual respect and I said I'm very nervous and she said me too and I kind of laughed and I'm like what you're Kyoko and no like you know you're a legend you what that's crazy like it was just and it just really like I was still nervous I was still very jittery but it was just that moment that I recognized that as much as I admire her we are both in this incredible amazing business and um, the match wasn't very long because, again, it was a dojo show. Um, and so I think it was maybe 10, 10 minutes or so, but it was very hard. <laughs> um, and it was just a lot of fun. You know, um, I love playing with the Japanese crowds, and they love her. Like, they love her. So it was just really, really fun because I'm new and up and coming there in the wrestling community. And, you know, she is so legendary and Afterwards, you know, she she gave me a hug and and was very pleased with how everything went. So that even added to, you know, the feeling, the glow of of having that experience. And luckily, I was able to work with her, you know, in subsequent tours and and get a little bit longer matches and a little more time with her. But it was just that first time in that intimate setting, you know, in the dojo where I lived and where I trained every day, and with this person that I remember seeing on a, a VHS tape you know, that someone had recorded 
And it was, I just remember thinking about Japan as a teenager of this, as this faraway place. And then I'm there, you know, just going from there from point A to point B, it's been such a meandering journey. So it was, that's definitely one of the most memorable for me. Well, you probably were thinking to yourself, you're not supposed to be nervous, you know. <laughs> you're, that's probably what you were thinking to yourself when she said she was nervous. <laughs> right. Well, that's amazing. And, uh, that's, that's amazing. Uh, Ronnie Nicole's our guest. We have, well, we have about 11 minutes here left. You know, every wrestler has a great finish, finishing maneuver. <clears throat> Tell us about yours, the name of it, and the setup, and how devastating it is. And if you'd ever want to uh, practice on the icon, your move, I'd be willing to step into the ring for that. <laughs> um, I I can't give you the setup. You'll have to just catch it in live action. But uh, my current finisher is uh, the Black Death, which is from the second rope. Um, you may have been familiar with Vader when he did uh, a similar move, uh, big homage to him. Um, but if someone of my size and my strength, uh, having that and the physics alone come down on you after I ragdolled you for the match, uh, usually, no, it gets the job done. I've not yet had anyone who's actually successfully lived after that. So, <laughs> um, yes. I do have a, a special finish that every once in a while I pull out for those occasions where, you know, that just doesn't seem to to do the trick. Um, and that is called the Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, but you may also know that as a Canadian destroyer. So uh, I've got two pretty devastating things in my arsenal and like I said, after you've been in the ring with Big Bang and I've I've had my way with you for the match and shown you the dominance that I am always, always showing in the ring, um, that's it. That's, uh, that is all why I'm a triple, triple crown tramp, champion, an international headhunter, um, and one of the baddest women in professional wrestling. Well, I will now officially withdraw my offer for you to practice that on me. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess I should ask what it was before I did the offer, but we'll just well, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of yeah, I'll, I'll kind of back down from the fight on that. Uh, yes. Anywho, <laughs> I was kind of curious, you know. Uh, where does the nickname Big Bang come from, and uh, who uh, coined that for you, or is that something that you coined? Um, that actually was given to me. In Japan, I wrestle as Big Bang Nicole, um, again, an homage to Vader, and a little bit of Kong thrown in there, because she is definitely much loved, both Aja and Awesome, um, there in Japan. So that was actually given to me on my very first tour over. Um, they, At the time, I was doing a different gimmick, the She-Hulk of the South, um, and they weren't really loving that and wanted to build me as a, a big, devastating monster, and so that was what I was blessed with. And so when I'm here in the States, I wrestle as Ronnie Big Bang Nicole, just as a Another an homage to the homage. Uh, throw it throw it back to Japan. But um, yeah, that was that was bestowed upon me by 
by those over my my Japanese family. Now in Japan, it, it is true. You would you say that they take their wrestling very seriously over there? It's not like it is here, correct? Um, I think that the comparison of seriousness is just different based on the culture. Um, so I wouldn't say that people here don't take wrestling seriously in terms of the people who do it. Um, you know, the fans react the same and differently in both places, you know, anywhere that you go. Um, I will say that Japan does have wrestling more into their culture. And so it is more norm and mainstream like American football or basketball is here, you know, versus maybe another sport that has a large following but doesn't necessarily have the mania, if you will, uh, as some of the those larger sports. Because in it is not uncommon, you know, to see a professional wrestler selling an advertisement in a conveni, you know, in a convenience store over there or in a restaurant, or, you know, just in a movie or TV. But here, it's kind of like, oh, this guy, like Batista, you know, people who may not know him as a wrestler, they will, they know him as Dave Batista, and then they may find out about his wrestling career, whereas uh, someone in Japan, you know, you know they are a wrestler and um, I think the reaction is a little different as well. Telling people here when I first started uh, training to become a professional wrestler, what I was doing, the first thing, you know, they'll ask, oh, do you know John Cena? And people still ask that, you know. But um, now it is, I do get less of that, do you know John Cena? And, oh, are you familiar with this, you know, large indie promotion? Because so many uh, indie promotions are touching so many other avenues, and wrestling is touching so many other pop culture avenues nowadays, especially with t- technology and social media. It's kind of hard not to see the crossover and to know somebody who, even if they weren't a wrestling fan back in the day, they may know of something independent or something, you know, newer product now. Um, whereas in Japan, if you tell someone, oh, you know, Watashi wa Joshi Prores, Oh, oh, so good, eh? You know, like, oh, wow, good. You know, like, it's immediately the reaction is, is you know, excitement and and that sort of thing. Um, but it it is different, and I, but it's but it's wonderful because being in the states and working the Indies is giving me an appreciation for the history of wrestling, and doing it the old school way, the way that it was originally done. You know, back in the territory days. Like I said, I was trained by a lot of old school guys, and listening to them and some of the the trainers I'm able to to work with these days talk about those days. Um, it's really cool. It's really amazing, and it, it's for me. This is my territory experience, you know, being able to do this. But it's on a bigger scale because I get to travel the world, you know. And so that's that's something that I'm very excited about and, and blessed that my dream allows me to do. Well, we have uh, Rodney Nicole as our guest. We have a couple minutes here left. Uh, real quick, if our fans wanted to uh, check you out and follow you, if you could go ahead and give us, uh, do you have a Facebook, you got a Twitter, you got a uh, YouTube, you got an Instagram, what do you got out there? 
Absolutely. So if you would like to check out where I'm going to be, my calendar is updated monthly, and that's at www.ronnynicolr.com. You can always like my fan page so that you can keep up with all my Facebook events and some of the special things that I'm running. And also you will be able to check out all of my holiday specials that will be posted on December the 4th on my Facebook page, which is Ronnie Nicole slash Big Bang Nicole. Follow me on Snapchat at Ronnie Nicole R. For bookings, hosting, commentary, modeling, speaking engagements, panels, judging, and all of the above, you can always email me at ronnynicolr at gmail.com. My Instagram is at glitterliciousbangbang, and my Twitter is at glitterlicious. So follow me. I usually follow back, follow back, interact with me, follow my social media, and a special shout-out to my sponsors, The Savage Stash and Indie Customs. And uh, also, I had uh, sent you uh, an address. If you uh, be able to send us some uh, uh, autographs for giveaways for our big December, uh, our big Christmas show we got coming up, we'd appreciate it. We'll see what we can do. Awesome. And we do appreciate you uh, taking time uh, out of your schedule to join us, and you've been awesome. And uh, uh, once again, I will not uh, be coming to let you practice your finishing maneuver on me. Uh, so uh, we'll, ju- we'll just have to make that clear. I apologize that I volunteered, but I am, with- I am withdrawing, you know. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I had an absolute Thanks, blast. Ronnie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Ronnie. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Bye, Granny. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ronnie Nichols, our guest, the Big Bang. You know, I'll tell you, Are you still there? Hey, Jack. Yeah, I thought we do have have the next. That was awesome, man. I'm sorry I couldn't make a lot of it. I had a business uh, obligation jump in. I had to. I had to talk somebody out. Talk to somebody for a second. all right, uh, we'll, go, we'll get to our guest if you want to play our sponsor, and then we'll get to our well, guest. Well, well yes, I, I did I did want to say uh, before we do any of this that, uh, you know, Attitude Era Live is brought to you in part by, as you know, sharpshooterfunding.com. Go on and check out sharpshooterfunding.com for all of your funding needs. Once again, go on and check them out. That iconic guitar riff in the beginning should tell you everything you need to know about exactly who was running the whole shebang here. Uh, Icon, I do have the guest, the man, the myth, the legend of arguably the royal family of professional wrestling on with us. So I am going to allow you to do your thing that you've become so known for. So, good sir, you may start. Ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. This man is what you would call a legend in the wrestling business. Other man better than this individual. I met him when I was in the state of Iowa, and he is what you would call wrestling legendary. He is none other than Ross 
Hey, really good to be on. Thanks so much for having me. Now, was that not the best in, in, uh, in uh-huh. introduction you've ever had? Uh, definitely the best I've heard, <laughs> more than I'm uh, worthy of. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great. Uh, um, the WWE commentators who I saw earlier tonight have nothing on you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ross. There we go. I appreciate yeah, I that. You, you see, you've got a future. You've got a future after radio, you see? Yeah, it works. Absolutely. So, uh, anyway, it's great to be on with you guys. Yeah. So, Ross, uh, first off, I wanted, I do want to thank you in advance for uh, being on the show, and uh, I do appreciate you. Uh, when I met you in Iowa, it was really awesome to uh, be able to talk to you. And I don't know if you, uh, if you remember it or not, the the kind of rib I tried to pull on you a little bit. I said, uh, do, you, do you remember? When I said, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, there was a, a couple of famous wrestlers in the WWE with, uh, they had a last name Hart. Do you know any of those guys? Uh, if you remember that? Uh, the same last name as, as, yeah. as mine, like Hart? Uh, yeah. Uh, gee, now I'm trying to think if that conversation crossed my mind, you know, because uh, uh, there were a few Hearts, but I don't know of anybody who had the, the same last name as Hart, you know, uh, than us, other than, you know, Brett or Jim the Anvil Neidhart or Owen Hart or uh, uh, Natty Neidhart, you know, or Natalia. Uh, right. So, so uh, you know, I, 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 unless I've overlooked somebody. Right. Now, in the, uh, in the order of the Hart family, uh, where, uh, where do you come in in the, in the Hart family? Well, I'm the tenth of twelve children, and I'm the seventh son. Uh, I was between Brett and Owen uh, with with the boys, and uh, um, I'm between my sister Diana, actually my sister Allison and Diana. Allison was uh, two years older than me, and uh, Diana, who was previously married to Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, and Harry Smith's mother, she's three years younger than me. So, but uh, but I was tenth in the in the family. <clears throat> uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, your sister uh, will be on with us in a couple months. Uh, I was finally oh. able to—I uh, was finally able to set her up uh, and join us. Fantastic. Uh, now, I was kind of curious, having a legendary father uh, that you had in Stu Hart. Uh, when you would go to, you know, go to school, uh, elementary, junior high, and everything, having a legendary for a father. Did that, uh, did more uh, people try and uh, pick on you guys, or were they pretty much uh, like their father's legend, we shouldn't even mess with them? You know, it was uh, kind of mixed. You know, there there were some that, that would want to take us on, you know, to challenge us and figure if they maybe uh, got lucky against us, you know, uh, then that would really... Uh, uh, bolster their image as tough guys because we were supposed to be fighters or wrestlers in our family, um, you know. And then, and then there were always the, the cynics, you know, who who knew when when they would uh, come up to you and say, "Oh, that wrestling's phony, right? Or that's all fake? Or they use blood capsules?" And you know, and of course, that would uh, 
that would piss us off, right? You know, and we'd be ready to fight right there. You know, I'd, I'd be ready to come to blows with anybody that uh, challenged the integrity of my dad or, or the wrestling industry. It's it's a different thing today where everything's been kind of exposed as uh, an art, I guess, and uh, um, a performance. But you know, in in my era, no, you know, you you defended wrestling uh, to the end. You know, you you, you just never ever. Uh, Allowed any any critics to to <clears throat> knock it or make fun of it. So yeah, so I, you know I would quite often through junior high or elementary uh, take on guys, you know, some some who uh, <clears throat> were my age, some who were older, you know, than, than me. But the the good thing I had going for me is I had seven older brothers too. So if uh, if somebody bullied me or picked on me who was a few years older, well I could always. Uh, Refer to Brad or, or Dean or one of my older brothers, you know. But, but I tried to deal with my own uh, issues, you know, my my own battles. But uh, you know, if if the the odds were sort of unfair against me, yeah, I would approach one of my older brothers just to to even the score. But but on the other hand, there are a lot of uh, guys that just envied us, you know. They they respected wrestling. They thought it was just uh, so fantastic, so exciting. Uh, they they idolized a lot of the wrestlers and uh, they they never once uh, you know uh, questioned whether it was was real or not you know I think out of respect to me and the family but but uh, you know a lot of people believed in wrestling then you know I mean it was uh, you know a lot of the wrestlers were, were so convincing in their roles and uh, the angles were so well done and and the wrestlers were so. Uh, so much protective of the industry, and you know, and kayfabe was, uh, was such an integral part of the industry that uh, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, believed in what they were seeing, and and uh, they they either idolized you or they wanted to be your friend, right? They they were hoping maybe that you would uh, you would take them to one of the matches, and you know, for some, if I had a, I had so many kids who wanted to go to the wrestling, and they would beg me and plead with me, can I go to the wrestling with you? They wanted to see it live, you know, it was. Uh, it was such a great experience to see it actually live, not just uh, um, a 60-minute TV show the day after. So, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it gave me a lot of notoriety and uh, celebrity exposure for sure. Well, uh, you mentioned you mentioned that back then that you well you mentioned back then you know that people believed more in it um, than than what they've come to expose lately. But don't you think it was a little bit more of a, a reason to, meaning like the physicality purpose of it was a little bit, a little bit bigger, a little bit better back then. I mean, right now you watch a lot of the new product, and yeah, the guys are great athletes and girls, both you know, females too, are great athletes. But there's not that physicality anymore. You're not on the edge of your seat going, "Wow, he's gonna kill this guy in the ring." Like there's kind of that, all right, well, it's a show and it looks like a show. Whereas back then it looked like you guys. Were actually trying to tear each other's heads off. I mean, do you think the physicality played a part in that as well? Uh, I think to an extent, you know, I, I think uh, today's wrestlers uh, are great performers, and, and uh, uh, I, I think they give as much action as wrestlers uh, from, you know, earlier generations, and in some cases uh, there's even more action, you know, but and uh, fewer rest holds and less mat wrestling, which is unfortunate sometimes because uh, it just becomes too much of a high spot fest, you know, and guys are uh, doing high spots in the first minute of a match, and then what do they follow that with uh, if, if they're having to go 15 or 20 minutes? But, um, you know, it was, I thought it was 
slower paced at times, but but it looked like a real struggle. You know, you would, you would see guys, uh, you know, in, in a headlock or uh, a toe hold. You know, and today's audiences wouldn't wouldn't uh, stand for that. You know, they'd they'd be showing boring, and uh, we want to see some action. I mean, they. Uh, I, I think now it's uh, you know uh, much more craving for. For impact and uh, sometimes even even violence, you know, especially after uh, uh, MMA and UFCs really uh, gained prominence. But but um, but you know, it looked like a real struggle in 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 those matches, you know. And, and guys like Dory Funk and Harley Race, you know, they were so believable. They they made you believe it was a real struggle, you know, even even if it was a a, a hold repetitiously applied and uh, it was a very slow build up, you know, to uh, you know, a climax, and and uh, usually then you you know you didn't see a a suplex or a, you know certainly a pile driver or a, a, you know a neck breaker done until uh, the finish or or at least uh, high spots leading up to a finish. But now you know unfortunately you you, you see a lot of those holds uh, done in the first few minutes of a match, and uh, um, you know it's I think it's getting harder and harder to get a reaction from 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 fans you know and and wrestlers are having to uh uh you know do a lot of high spots and things off the top ropes and uh those are spectacular but uh they they unfortunately don't look very believable yeah. sometimes and uh it's it's just unfortunate that it's it's kind of become yeah. known as uh as, as as a scripted contest and uh you know i, I think that's Suspending a lot of uh, fans' beliefs because they want to believe what they're seeing is real. They really want to believe that uh, Brock Lesnar and and Braun Strowman are going at it head to toe, and it's a slugfest. And uh, um, unfortunately, you know the reality is they, they they kind of already uh, know there there's what what the outcome is, or they have a pretty good idea of it. So, but uh, you know, it's wrestling's evolved and changed, and yet I still think it has. Uh, uh, a great audience is that, that, that they're wanting to see something different than uh, what we saw in, uh, in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Ross Hart is our guest. Now, being uh, in the in the legendary Hart family and, uh, you know, having a legend for a father and two Hart, how old were you when he started teaching you and training you how to wrestle? Uh I was probably in my late teens, I guess. You know, when I, when I was growing up, uh, I would occasionally come down to the dungeon or the the basement where he was working out with guys. And uh, if we were if we were quiet and respectful, he would let us watch. But if we were, you know, we if we were goofing off or if we were not showing respect to him or the guys that he was actually. Uh, um, putting in a lot of uh, putting in a lot of agonizing holds on, you know. Then uh, we, w- you know, he wouldn't tolerate it. He wouldn't allow us to be in there, or else he would uh, call us on the mat and uh, and uh, make a pretty painful example of us. But but uh, you know, I would I would uh, I would I would watch him. Usually, I would come in when he was already uh, um, in a session, you know, part way through, because usually he didn't want uh, intruders or outsiders. Uh, coming, especially you know he didn't want interruptions and people coming in and out. But once he was, uh, you know, once he was 
working out with somebody and and uh, you know it was, it was quite often my dad would 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 train guys for 20 or 30 minutes you know before uh, he would tie them up and, and really start uh, stretching them and putting them in all these uh, submission holds and these poor guys could never get out you know it was it'd be like a uh, a torture chamber for sometimes 30 or 40 minutes my dad would just kind of uh, thread from one hole to another to another but uh, so if we were lucky we would kind of uh, come in during the, the middle of it and then my dad was so so fixated so uh, focused on who he was uh, working out with that uh, he didn't really even notice if we were watching you know if we if we had uh, discreetly come in to um uh, uh, you know, to, to, to watch what he, he was doing and see him practice uh, his craft there. But, uh, you know, when I, when I got a little bigger and um, when I was pretty seriously amateur wrestling in high school, he was he was showing some moves on me. And uh, um, But, you know, he was always very careful. My dad didn't... Uh, didn't want to hurt anyone who was who was considerably smaller than him. And he, even with us, uh, you know, I think he, he wanted us to respect it. But... Uh, um, you know, he, he certainly was was careful, my dad. You know, he, was, he wasn't uh, going to uh, drop us on our head or break our ribs or anything like that. You know, he would, he would uh, apply some pressure points, and uh, we'd certainly feel what, what he was doing. But he was, he was very careful with what he was doing. You know, he wasn't reckless and uh, uh, injuring us or, you know, or putting us uh, out of commission for weeks and weeks, you know. But we, we would, we'd certainly feel what he was doing. And uh, bigger, stronger guys that he was working out with, well, he, uh, he put them through quite a grind, you know. But, uh, um, you know, I don't, I don't think too many guys ever said, though, they ever suffered serious injuries from my dad or that he took real liberties with them or, you know, he cheap shot at them. No, I mean, he, he, uh, he put a lot of uh, excruciating holds on guys, you know, and, and they were probably sore for days and days, but, uh, you know, he, he didn't, you know, incapacitate guys or, uh, seriously injure them. He was, he was pretty careful about that. Well, you know, I know, uh, from what I understand from, you know, having your, you know, your brothers and some of your other relatives on, uh, I know one thing I wouldn't want to go up against your dad. Uh, did, uh, uh, Real quick here, uh, we got about uh, I don't know, we got 25 minutes here with you. Ross Hart is our guest. I sent you a, a script. We're gonna go ahead and take care of that now. We're gonna have you. Yeah. Uh, we'll do that yeah. now, and then we'll ask you the tough questions. Okay. Okay. Just let me know when you want me to do that. All right. I'll count you down for five. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, this is Ross Hart. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with hosts the Icon, the Big Swing. And Granny Hulkster. Awesome. That was perfect. Does that work that okay great. for you? Sure. That was so, great. Okay. So now we'll go now we gotta go to the tough questions. Now when your uh when your father was training you, uh did he ever uh did he just have you go up against your brothers or uh did he ever have did you ever have to face him at all? Um you know, I never really Went against my dad. He he sometimes, uh, you know, used me as a as a guinea pig or someone to show holds on. You know, and I was I was glad to do that. You know, I thought, gee, if, you know, I've watched him do it enough to other guys, and I should certainly be, you know, uh, tough enough to endure that. But you know, and I so uh, I I was uh, 
in a way flattered, you know, but, but I was also scared. I was trembling because uh, I didn't know what he was going to do with me, you know, but, and, and what he was doing was, was uh, instructing. He was teaching, you know, he loved uh, uh, to, to show an audience what he could do, you know, so uh, sometimes he, he needed somebody like that. And, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, if his kids couldn't go through something like that, I don't know who could, you know, I mean, uh, and it was, it was something we could learn from and it toughened us up a lot. Um, you know, I, I think it just, it, it made me a better amateur wrestler and, you know, and it gave me some insights on what he expected for guys who were wanting to break in, you know, too, too many guys, uh, um, didn't respect the industry enough and they just, watched it on TV or from an audience perspective and uh they thought all oh, this is this is real easy some some of them didn't uh appreciate or respect what 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 uh great athletes wrestlers are and how tough uh you have to be to make it so uh he was very hard on guys breaking in he didn't want to make it easy for them and uh if they kept coming back and coming back uh for for sessions with him then then he saw something in them and so so those those who endured and 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 kept coming back you know because because they wanted to learn from my dad and they were they were determined to to make it somehow in the industry those are the ones that uh you know he he, he broke in and uh, gave an opportunity to and uh those who didn't well they i think they just knew that wrestling was maybe not for them and uh um you know, it was just just too demanding or tough for them. But uh, they always respected my dad because when when you saw him outside the ring, you knew he was he was a very uh, gentle, compassionate person, and uh, he loved people. And and uh, you know, very very few really held it against him, even though he he put them through a lot of uh, pain and agony. Now, was there ever a situation? And then I'm going to let uh, Granny ask a question. Uh, was there ever a situation when someone would come up to your front door and want to uh, want to talk to your dad or get trained by your dad, and t- they would tell your dad, uh, you know, uh, this is all fake uh, wrestling. You know, I I could take you, I could I could do this and that. Was there ever a situation like that? Oh, there lots of times. Yeah, so some of these uh, guys, and some of them were, were pretty formidable guys. Some of them would be. Um, uh, rodeo hands, you know, like, like cowboys and rodeos. Some of them would be welders or construction workers, but big guys, you know, like probably uh, 230, 240 pounds. Uh, some of them uh, uh, were boxers, you know, some who dabbled a little bit in uh, martial arts, maybe, you know, karate or judo or something, but uh, they... <laughs> They would approach my dad sometimes at uh, at the show. We did have a few come right up to uh, our house, you know, and uh, say, I want to get into wrestling. And I think uh, some of them were were very blunt in saying, in saying, well, I think I could take on a lot of those wrestlers. They are, they are not so tough. And uh, uh, maybe they were looking at some of the preliminary guys and just figured they would be uh, easy to... Um, you know, easy to conquer, maybe because they'd been squashed in some matches, you know, but uh, my dad would, uh, you know, kind of just size them up and say, well, why don't you uh, come down and have a workout with me? And he would schedule it, you know, he wouldn't do it right on the spot, you know, he would uh, say, you know, you can, you can come. Uh, usually my dad would have a little bit of open time on Sundays and uh, some evenings during the week, um, and then uh, he, he would tell these guys, come up and we'll, we'll have a session and... Uh, you know, and he would never let these guys know what he was going to do. But once he got them down there, you know, and he would just say, okay, well, and then we'd 
lock up with them and push with them and and um and do that for a while and and then uh you know he he would just <clears> seize an opportunity and and usually guzzle them or take them down and uh uh and then you know he would he would ride them and uh just uh crush them with all his weight or you double grapevine them or something and uh uh and then these guys would be completely blown up you know just have no wind or energy left because my dad had all his weight on him he'd be you know he would be oh, uh riding them you know and, and then from there he would you know uh cross face them or do a double underhook or uh uh grapevine or a thread through you know and uh and just torture these guys you know and um you know and and and, and these guys had so much more respect for my dad and the industry because you know my dad wanted them to to realize it's it's not that easy to get in, and you should respect any wrestler you see, whether he's uh, a preliminary guy or somebody that gets beat uh, just about every night, or or somebody who's a main eventer, you know. And uh, you should have a level of respect for every performer, you know. And uh, um, and, and and a lot of these guys, uh, they 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 realize, you know, this isn't all just a bunch of acting or uh, stunt men, you know. These these guys are. Are tough athletes, and uh, um, you know, and it, and it takes a lot of training and uh, and intestinal fortitude and, and commitment, you know, to to even get to that level, you know. And uh, um, my dad made a lot of believers of, of guys like that. Uh, go ahead, Granny. What do you got for our, our guest, Ross Hart? Well, first of all, sir, it is a pleasure to have you on our show, and it's a pleasure to talk to you because I've been—I'm not a wrestler, just so you know. <laughs> that is just a gimmick nickname that that I got from a former coworker because I love wrestling and I've always been a big huge fan of Bret Hart, you know Jim Neidhart, Owen when he was alive, you know Natalia. I I love I I love wrestling. Um, one of my questions is um, <clears throat> I went to an independent show one time, you know, and you always hear about people talking about oh. This is so fake. Wrestling's just fake. How can you watch something like that? Well, there was a little boy there that had a poster there. And I love he was like four or five years old and he was holding up the poster, you know, like kids like to do and yeah. and the poster said, Wrestling is real, people are fake. What is your really? opinion about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure his parents helped you make the poster, obviously, but I just I loved what that poster said because I I just I love I mean, I holler at the bad guys and I cheer for the good guys, and you know. And I've been told on several occasions that um, I help make the show I, because the fans, you know, like if you have a new fan there that that's never been there, they don't know who to root for, who to cheer for, you know. And I said, well, just watch me, you know. And and I've been, I I've I've been, you know. A lot of people like to watch me at independent shows too because I interact with the wrestlers. I mean, I'll, I'll, they'll get in my face and I'll get in their face, and you know, we just have a good old time. But what's yeah, your opinion great. about you know wrestling <laughs> is real, people are fake? Well, I, I think there's some merit to that remark. You know, I mean, wrestling in the sense that it's that is, uh, uh, it's very athletic and it is real. I mean, guys do get injured. I mean, you you have to know <laughs> how to fall and. Uh, um, you know, you're you're taking clotheslines and elbows and uh, and uh, stomps and chops and uh, you know those those things are very real and and if you don't know how to protect yourself or uh, land, you know, uh, going off the top ropes or uh, taking a chair shot, 
any of those things, yeah, you're you are going to get hurt, and uh, the guy you're wrestling is going to get hurt. So, so uh, I'm always quick to defend wrestlers as real athletes, and what they do is real, whether it's uh, choreographed or the or predetermined or not. You know what what they're doing in there is very real. It's very uh, physical. It's very intense, and um, you know people that denounce wrestling and just say, well, they're a bunch of uh, you know, actors or stuntmen. Well, unfortunately, uh, those people are, 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 you know, are very uh, out of touch. You know, and, and I'd say uh, those people maybe uh, have have no idea what what wrestlers go through. And sometimes that's maybe because uh, they're they're envious of wrestlers and uh, they look at themselves and say, well, I'm, you know, they they're they're not true athletes themselves. Uh, they like to be critics, but they really uh, don't don't have any credentials to be a critic. They've never been a coach they've never wrestled themselves a lot of them have uh, never even been athletes but you know i i think we have a lot of different fans and uh you know we're going to have uh some that are somewhat cynical and uh, just think it's easy and those those fans typically will um go against the grain at shows you know they'll they'll intentionally boo the baby faces and try to cheer the heels just just uh just to be different and kind of spoil the uh the atmosphere for for the other fans and wrestlers, and I guess as paying customers, they can do that. But I think we've we've all seen those types of people uh, at shows, and uh, you know they're they're just kind of cynical, disenfranchised uh, people, um, and uh, um, they they don't want to uh, give the wrestlers uh, credit, you know, for for being uh, incredible athletes that they are, and uh, and yet uh, you know they're they. They go out of their way to, uh, to 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 knock wrestlers or or laugh at them or say, well, it's all uh, you know just just a, a big act or, or they're they're not real athletes. But uh, you know, I, I think deep down they they know you know some of the some of the moves they do are incredibly uh, difficult. You know uh, that requires so mm-hmm. so much uh, so much timing and and uh, care. So you're not. Uh, killing yourself for the guy that you're wrestling but uh um but you know uh, and that's just you know uh, an element of fans i guess and just maybe because they're unhappy with themselves or they have uh low self-esteem uh uh but, but i but I've, i find those, those uh, types of fans really uh try to draw drown out the the other fans who really want to uh get into the match and, and be entertained and uh be, be suspended but uh uh, but you know, I guess, I guess uh, as paying fans, they they can do that. But I just feel bad that they they'll go out of their way sometimes to uh, you know s- spoil the the atmosphere for for the real fans that want to get into the match or or the the younger kids, you know, that that really want to believe what they're seeing and just just be entertained, you know. So yeah. Well, what, one funny story I had one of my one of my wrestling I, and I'm not related to any of these wrestlers that I know, but I consider them my family because I have known them a long time. And um, one of them was teasing me one time about, "Hey, Granny, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home?" You know, and I grabbed my key, I grabbed my keys out of my purse and I stood up and I said, "Baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building." Oh, that's fantastic! Good <laughs> and comeback, then, there, Granny. And, and he just, you know, but I mean, I, I have so much fun with, um, I have a friend over in Oklahoma that does independent shows for kids that have got cancer called Wrestling for a Cause, and I am very much involved in that, helping, you know, uh, 
you know, pick up merchandise for the promoter and everything. And I, I, I have met so many amazing kids and amazing families through that organization. But I just have uh-huh. a great time when I go to, when I go to these wrestling shows. I just I love it so. No, it's it's great, and I you know it's fantastic still that there's a lot of younger kids that that are are growing up and 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 enjoying wrestling and uh, and uh, have have their fan favorites and uh, um, I, I think that's that's great because uh, the you know these are kids that haven't really been exposed to uh, the deeper secrets I guess of wrestling and. Uh, um, you know whether it's predetermined or uh uh you know guys are uh you know they're obviously playing uh roles for for programs and uh for for rivalries and things like that but kids just they they just want to see uh a good guy versus a bad guy concept you know and they and they want to see a lot of action and i i think that's great and uh um uh, you know hopefully they'll Stay our future fans because uh, we need that younger generation to to follow wrestling and 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 stay with wrestling because unfortunately well, a lot definitely. of the the older the older fans have kind of outgrown it or um, uh, lost interest in it you know and and I think it's uh, such an important uh, audience to 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 capture and uh, you know and, and keep entertained and I think if if uh, um, there's there's great athletes in the ring as it, as I think there are and. Uh, Wrestlers uh, um, reach out to kids sometimes uh, through uh, charity functions and, uh, and uh, fundraisers and things like that. You know, I, th- I think you'll 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 um, you'll have a younger audience for the future. Well, I'm proud uh, to say, at 56 years old, I, I'm proud to say, ahead, at 56 sir. years old, I am still a big, huge fan of wrestling and I still enjoy interacting any way, shape or form that I can, you know, I love it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Granny. That, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you've, uh, you've stayed with it over the years and uh, you, you, you still follow it and enjoy it. Yes, I do. Uh, Ross Hart is our guest here. we got about uh, 10 minutes here left with you. Uh, one thing I've asked every uh, member of your family has been on and we've had a lot of them. Uh, you know, we had uh, your brother Bruce, and uh, eventually I hope uh, one day we can get uh, your brother Brett on with us because he's been my hero ever since I started watching wrestling when I was five years old. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, <clears throat> I've always asked every Hart member this, because we know that Owen Hart, your younger brother, was a master river. And uh, I would like to, you to tell us, share with us, your favorite Owen Hart story where he ribbed somebody. Your favorite Boy, story. Um, you know, uh, this is one he kind of shared with me. Uh, um, he'd been in the WWF as it was that, as it was known then, um, as the Blue Blazer, and uh, a lot of the guys would would ride together in cars. You know, they would kind of carpool. I think they still do that today too. But um, and. <clears throat> Owen didn't really know his way around uh, that well. This was in the eastern states, I guess, somewhere. But I think he was with uh, he was riding with uh, Jim Helwig, the Ultimate Warrior, and uh, Ken Patera. And uh, Ultimate Warrior hadn't been there that long. I think he he just arrived there and was uh, kind of new to the WWF. I think they liked his look when they saw him. I think in world class wrestling, and you know he 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 had an incredible uh, physique and. Uh, 
he had some personality and charisma, and they, they definitely saw something in him, and uh, they brought him in. But when he first got there, he really didn't know too many uh, wrestlers and uh, um, was, was uh, you know, kind, kind of isolated, and he was driving his own car. But um, And there were, there were a lot of stories about uh, Ultimate Warrior being kind of a, an erratic driver, and, uh, I, you know, I think part of it was, uh, you know, he didn't know where he was going. We didn't, you know, this was in the day and age when you didn't have GPSs and uh, uh, the signage that we have on, on uh, freeways, you know, and uh, it, it was very easy to, to get lost or miss a turnoff uh, when, when you're driving. And so I think he had a rental car and uh, Owen and Ken, Ken Patera rode with him. And anyway, I think this was somewhere in uh, New York and uh, he, he was driving very fast to try and get to uh, a show on time. And Ken Patera was... Uh, was pretty agitated because he was he was driving very fast and saying slow down warrior slow down for fuck's sake you know and uh, anyway <laughs> Owen uh, was uh, enjoying it you know Owen was was uh, in the front seat and saying Jim we got to get to the show uh, you know you better step on it and uh, anyway and so so Jim was uh, dry, kind of in and out of uh, traffic and uh, um, you know not signaling or you know just kind of in and out and uh, and doing different lane changes and. Uh, and and Ken Patera was getting uh, pretty upset, you know. The, the you know, he, and, and cars were honking at them. And uh, anyway, I think he missed uh, his exit, and uh, and and Ken screamed at him, "You, you missed a fucking turn off or something like that." And and um, Owen was kind of laughing. And then I, and I guess Ultimate just decided to back his car up on the interstate. You know, all of a sudden just started backing his car up, and cars were honking and. And uh, Ken oh, Patera was, was was just just going nuts. He thought well, you know, they were going to rear end somebody, or they're going to get hit by uh, uh, somebody as they're backing their car up, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, and 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 Ken, I guess, was uh, had car sick by this was car sick by this time, and uh, the windows were up in the car, and he was saying for he's saying uh, warrior for fuck's sakes, you're going to get us killed. And Owen was just hysterically laughing, you know, just. Uh, Laughing the whole time and telling uh, Ultimate, you know, we we got to get to the show, you know, keep keep going, and you know, he just had no fear, you know, he was he wasn't he wasn't worried about them getting into a accident or anything, you know, and uh, and it was it was just it was interesting the, how how he reacted differently than than Ken Patera, you know, and uh, uh, I guess Warrior had a you know a bad enough reputation as a driver that uh, WWF agents. Uh, um, got him a limousine, and I think once they decided they had big plans for him, they didn't uh, let him drive uh, rental cars anymore because he either uh, uh, had accidents in them or, or uh, you know, would would get lost and couldn't find his way to the show, or so many wrestlers wouldn't ride with him. You know, they just thought he was too too reckless or dangerous. But Owen never seemed to to have any fear about that. You know, Owen just uh, rode with it, went along with it, and uh, and uh, had a good time. You know, and he, and uh, you know, it was, it was just kind of a funny story. So Owen really didn't instigate a rib there other than than egging Warrior on to, you know, drive fast and we've got to get to the show, we can't be late, and, uh, you know, and, and really just having a laugh at poor Ken Patera's expense. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Ross Hart is our guest. We have uh, about five minutes here left with you. Uh, so with uh, your uh, current... Uh, uh, current uh, adventures. Uh, are you uh, are you 
training wrestlers? Are you doing anything in the re- wrestling industry nowadays, or uh, not really? You know, uh, when when our house, where, where the legendary dungeon was was sold, um, and I guess that was about uh, thirteen, fourteen years ago after my parents had passed away. Uh, it was kind of the end of an era. You know, we uh, we didn't really have uh, a facility or place to train guys anymore. My brother Bruce had been training guys right up till uh, 2003, 2004, but uh, when when the house got sold where the dungeon was and uh, uh, you know it, it, it was kind of the end of uh, an era for us and uh, there, there was some training that went on at uh, BJ's gym. I know Harry and uh, my, my nephew Harry and Tyson Kidd and uh, Natalia, they, they were training there uh, somewhat, but um, um, but you know it was a it was a limited ring. It was kind of like a uh, a boxing ring, but it was still better than nothing, I guess. And uh, uh, Joe Daigo, a, a Japanese agent for New Japan, was training guys there. But um, and uh, so I haven't really been involved with with training guys, uh, you know, in since since that period, you know, since 2003, 2004. Um, my brother Bruce has periodically uh, trained guys, but uh, you know, with the cold weather here, you you have to have an indoor facility, and uh, um, you know, and we we have a couple of decent rings, you know, and uh, it would be nice, you know. I, I've uh, uh, I've encouraged Bruce to to continue training guys, and he's I think looking for some indoor facilities where he could set up the ring, and uh, um, you know, I I think there's still a lot of knowledge we could pass on to some younger wrestlers but uh, you know I'm a full-time teacher so um, I just don't really have the time to devote to training guys as much as I would like to because uh, with with wrestlers I, I would really want them uh, to benefit from uh, you know con- consistent workouts and uh, training opportunities and then getting them work on some independent shows and uh, um, you know it's a, it's a big commitment and um, unless I can do something like that on a pretty regular basis, uh, uh, I'm not going to, you know, I, but, uh, I know Lance Storm runs a very good wrestling school here and there's a couple of other, uh, training facilities, but, uh, unfortunately they're really few and far between in the industry and, uh, too many guys are kind of just breaking in and they really, uh, haven't been taught properly. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, they don't really rise or go that far, you know, and, uh, um, and it's once you kind of learn some bad habits uh, in terms of uh, safety and how you land and going into the ropes and uh, taking bumps outside the ring and things like that, uh, it's uh, it's really hard to get back on the right track. You know that that initial uh, training is, is so, so important. And uh, uh, real quick here, Ross, we got to then we'll wrap this up. Uh, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, might uh, uh, you be willing to uh, send us some uh, autographs of yourself that we can uh, use for our big uh, December giveaway that we got coming up? Would you be willing to do that for us? Uh, sure. Is that coming up next month? Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I can see what I can do. Yeah. If you uh, send me the information, yeah, you betcha. You know, I I can definitely. I sent you the address on Messenger. Whatever you can uh, send to us, we'd appreciate. Okay, uh, you know, I don't know if I've got uh, 
any real uh, current color shots, and you may not want to see me uh, today, you know, but, uh, um, you know, if, if you'll settle for some of my ring pictures when I was actually active as a wrestler, uh, I guess that'd be about 20, 25 years ago, uh, a kind of a vintage look. Uh, I, might, I might send you uh, some, some shots of that, you know, so, yeah, but I'll, I'll see what we can come up with there. Perfect. And then, uh, real quick, if our uh, fans wanted to uh, check with you and give you well wishes and wish you happy birthdays and whatnot, uh, do you have a Facebook? Do you got an Instagram? Yeah, I'm on. I'm just on. Uh, I'm on Facebook and uh, uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. But just face Facebook and LinkedIn. And uh, under, under I, Ross Hart. Yeah, right? I think I was on. Yeah, just under Ross Hart. Yeah, H A R T. There's a few of us with the same name, but I think you'll spot me pretty quickly. Um, well, you yeah, because I mean. you're the good-looking one. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, cool. And then uh, we appreciate it. And uh, and uh, if you uh, if you ever have a chance, uh, you know you uh, you know you can try and talk your brother Brett into being on our show. Uh, you know, I'd be willing to uh, do whatever I can to get him on. Uh, you know, heck, I'd even let him put me in a sharpshooter for an hour. Well, he that that might be uh, enticing for him if he can uh, if he can put you in one of his holds there, like the sharpshooter. Yeah, um, but um, I'll I'll certainly let him know that uh, you guys would like to have him as a guest. And he's he's very busy. He, he's he's. Uh, He's got so many projects going, and he gets a lot of requests for for interviews and documentaries, and uh, uh, he's just got such a busy schedule. But I'll certainly let him know. I think it would be really worthwhile for him to be on your show uh, when when he can fit it into his schedule. Yeah, like I let him know. I mean, he's been my hero since I was five years old, and uh, when I was uh, when I was fifteen, when he put those sunglasses on me, uh, uh, I. It just, wow, that's it that's pretty exciting. Life. So where where was that? Was that was that uh, at a TV taping? Uh, it was down in uh, down in the cities, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh wow, that that must have been so memorable. Wow. Yeah, when he was uh, when he uh, he had just won the Intercontinental Championship. Okay, wow. So that would have been uh, probably around 1991 or so. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow, a lot of great memories from that period. Yeah. And unfortunately, my uh, ex fiance did steal those glasses from me, and oh, he had autographed them and everything. So uh, that was uh, that's my story I have uh, with uh, you know you and your brother. But uh, once again, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, and uh, we know that you got plenty of uh, papers to grade tonight. So uh, we'll uh, cut you loose, but we thank no, you. No, you you bet, uh, Icon. No, it was it was uh, great being on and. Uh, uh, I, I hope I entertained uh, all of you and and your audience out there. I think you guys have uh, uh, a lot of great fans and followers. But uh, it was was fantastic being on and and uh, sharing some insights and memories on on the industry. And we love you, Ross. Thank you so much. Thanks, okay, Ross. thanks so much for having us on. Okay, all Thank the you best Ross. to you have guys. Okay, yep. we'll keep in touch. Bye bye. All right, Ross Hart, ladies and gentlemen, from the legendary. Hart family, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, well, we can get Brett on. Even you know, uh, we 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 we've done uh, 
we we we've had many hearts on, and there's going to be many hearts coming on uh, uh, in the future. So uh, hopefully, Brett will be one of them. So yes. So real quick here, I want to let everybody know what our lineup is for next week. Uh, we are going to have uh, Urban Legend. Uh, we are going to have Manny Fernandez, and we are going to have David Shelton on with us, and uh, he's a he's a director, uh, an independent film director, and he also used to uh, uh, invent all the uh, the the games for Double Dare for the physical challenges. He's he invented all those, and he had uh, a little run in with a former wrestler. Uh, and he's going to talk to us about that as well. Uh, you guys might remember Zeus. He's going to tell us uh, what oh, yeah. kind of individual Zeus is, and I cannot wait for that story. It has to do with uh, the courts, and uh, when they were in court, uh, you should. Uh, one of them found out when they introduced the honorable judge, you should not say, Oh, I was hoping for Judge Wapner. You should never say that, and we're going to find out why. Next week, live on the Attitude Ever Live. We'll see. Dead man walking. You got it now. You got it made up in the day. And I can't allow you to think you can just walk away. turn around and face the fire you're going to Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.